and then we'll and then it'll just be like you have a story to tell of getting dismissed or fired or however you want to put it and then you know what you might have learned uh to come out of that to help you move on because it's all about the lesson how do you move on from the the, this disappointing um happenstance absolutely sounds good yep okay here we are with another episode of dismiss the podcast i am your host hugh elliott and with me today this evening tonight today it's day where you are it's evening where i am is melanie chambers and melanie i wonder if you'd be good enough to introduce yourself a little bit uh yeah i'm melanie chambers and uh i've been a freelance writer since actually i got canned from my first news reporting job on haida Gwaii. so <laughs> which i will discuss but i've been a freelance writer since 2000 after graduating from ryerson's journalism program and uh let's see since then i've married all of my loves. Uh, I teach about travel writing. I write about cycling, which is something that I have been doing since uh, I learned how to ride a bike. Uh, I teach food writing, which is another passion of mine as a travel writer. So Mm. typically I will teach at Western University to undergraduates. And then in the summers, pre-COVID, I'm just starting to get back into it now, but I would go on a giant trip and spin off a bunch of stories from that. And uh, and I'm, I'm still writing, but um, that is more segued into writing about women's issues now because I'm taking another master's and this <laughs> time it's, yeah, can't get enough education. So this one is about writing a book about uh, female sexuality, and it's also a memoir. So recently I've been doing some articles for the Globe and Mail about women in business, and uh, that's been wonderful. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, there's definitely a lot of pivoting going on, and as a freelancer, I still get a giant kick out of when I get an email 10 minutes after I sent a story idea, and it says, yay, approved (laughs) you're accepted um so it it really is it's you know it's a very precarious living the teaching has allowed me to freelance as much as i do but uh i like the chase and i do like the hustle so um uh, the book is just another extension of that hustle (laughs) you know it's interesting but you you did a you did one of my little lightning talks at first next step, the networking event I ran for a while. And, and it it was really notable in in the fact that you were kind of, you were saying, I am a writer and I I do travel writing and food writing and I run this blog. And it was, it was, it was interesting to me because there were a whole bunch of people there who want to do that, but don't have your background and your background is really specific to writing and to, you know, sort of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it adventure, but I would call it travel and, and, and being open to new things while there are people who want the, the Instagram version of that, where they get to travel and and go like, look how good I look in these places. You're like, look how good these places look. And I'm here, you know? Mm. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. Yeah. It's, 
hasn't been an easy slog. You know, it's it's definitely a choice, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be a copywriter making a lot more money, but yeah. uh, actually that's uh, on your show, you know, it, to be f- completely honest, I failed at that miserably. I, I right. tried being a copywriter and it didn't suit me. And it just felt I was a, a round you know, a peg trying to go in a square hole and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, it's writing in the service of something that you may not necessarily believe in. Right. Yeah. And it just, you know, um, it just didn't suit me. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about my personality, but when I, or even maybe when I dislike someone, I can't fake it. (laughs) And with my job, uh, it just comes through when I, my heart's not in it. And, um, you, you just end up not doing well on something. It's like writing, <laughs> like, if, you know, if you're writing something that you really hate, you know, about mortgages, it will come through in the story in some way, yeah. you know, you'll get, you'll, you'll trip up, you'll get something wrong because you just don't care about it. <laughs> just imagine your mortgages. Who cares, right? <laughs> like, you know, that's not a tagline we like, Melanie. <laughs> no, and I and I say that, and I just wrote about them a month ago. But <laughs> but it's from the perspective that you have, you know. And I think those are they're very different things. Copywriters, and we do probably both know a number in common. Copywriters, and the same thing with designers. Designers that design on behalf of clients, and copywriters that write on behalf of clients, they set aside. I wouldn't say they set aside their ego, but they set aside their need to be that voice. Their voice yeah. doesn't need to be the thing. And there are people like you and I, perhaps, that our voice needs to be the thing that mm-hmm. we we communicate and convey. Very much so. Um, maybe that's why news writing didn't work well for me, because there was no I. Right. I, I like the memoir part. And I, you know, I feel like as a writer, um, I like to filter my life through, uh, things I've experienced Mm -hmm. and I like to write about it because then it's almost like another layer of thinking about it. And so it's, it's very therapeutic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. Sorry. This is, this is a funny thing because I've settled into my normal podcast mode of talking about the act of creation, which is can't sell this but we're doing dismissed and dismissed is in, intentionally about losing yeah. your job and, yes. and, and the things you learned. So I'm going to pivot us back into dismissed world and yep. you and I will do a follow-up involving can't sell this. I think, I think there's a good episode <laughs> to be had there. Um, okay. Maybe what I'm not feeling, I, I'm feeling way less burnt out on can't sell this. Thankfully, obviously I am because I'm, I'm getting all riled up talking to you about this, but let's, let's talk about, let's talk about that moment when you did lose that job. Which one? Because honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I do have a list. I honestly to God have a list. And, and I have the column, which says where I got fired and what I learned from it. And there a direct line and you know even one word in some cases you yeah. know like the first time was Eastside Mario's because as the hostess I was not perky enough oh sure so you know something as as minute as that um I could live with that I walked away with that pretty unscathed thank yeah. you know 
um, stepping up. Another one was, again, uh, I've, I've always had various jobs, always, 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 even during undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was serving or um, tree planting. But uh, I worked at a cafe where I didn't want to address the customers the diners by the way that the staff, that the management had told me I should. Okay. What was the, what was the greeting they well, expected you to use? I think it was, you know, I can't remember. It was, um, we're talking like 25 years ago. It was kind of a shtick like, Hey, I'm Melanie and today on board and um, like right. verbatim I'm, and I kind of, I probably started it like, how were, how was your day or something? I just, I didn't do it exactly the way it was supposed to be done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So goodbye. See you later. Um, but what I learned from that one, I walked across the street and there was another, it was another dessert shop. And I walked in and I said, I just got canned for my job. And, uh, the guy's like, well, do you want to work here? And I, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I do. I need money. I don't care if it's selling, you know, ice cream or coffee or dessert. I will, I I will do that. And, um, and, you know, that to me, that, you know, failure and getting fired has such a bad rap, but I think it it really shouldn't because it, it, it tells us that what you did was not right for you. Mm And in this day and age, why can't we try a thousand things on? Like we're not in the age when we had the same job for 30 years, right? Exactly. Why not fail at something and celebrate that and say that was fine and okay. Like, um, and then the big one was actually getting fired from my first reporting job out Mm. of Ryerson. I was supposed to stay at this newspaper gig on Haida Gwaii in British Columbia, this beautiful island for a year. And I may only made it to seven months because I'm not a news reporter. I had 13 stories I had to write in a week. It was a weekly newspaper. And um, I had to scramble and, 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 and write really quickly. I can't write quickly. Right. I don't do anything quickly. <laughs> Except ride bicycles very fast. Well, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> fire coming up behind me. Absolutely. <laughs> Melanie Flame Chambers. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that, that's not an actual nickname, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. But it not should be, is our point. <laughs> changing your yeah. life one tagline at a time. Yeah. So you, so you, you seven months. Do, do you feel that um, in those seven months, there were numerous times when they were like, you know, could you just, you know, maybe move a little faster on this story? We really, yeah. really need this more quickly than you're like, were you yeah. given opportunities to, you know, step well, up? They did. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know, you know, in some ways, maybe I just didn't take it as seriously as I should have, you know? Right. Um, you know, so yeah, absolutely. I, I was, I was not the best, uh, news reporter and I don't think they were wrong at all for letting me go. Just, um, I do take some responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, but again, similar to the other situations, um, when my time there was wrapping up, I pitched an idea to the Globe and Mail about how difficult it is to go to the Haida Gwaii, like mm-hmm. if you're a, if a, uh, you're a tourist, and they took it, and then that <laughs> turned into freelancing, you know, right. like, um, and and I like generating ideas, so then that's how that all began. You know, um, it, 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 it does make me sting a bit, you know, like getting yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, sorry, I didn't, I wasn't intending to, to stop you from talking. I, I was just thinking about the fact that um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very delicate balance between being hurt by the rejection, right? There's the, you didn't, it didn't work out. And then yeah. that internal acknowledgement understanding why it didn't work out. Right. And, you know, in the conversations I've been having, you know, one of the, one of the things that came out that I I've been really mulling over is uh, he's, they said, uh, you need to, you need to identify what's bothering you about that particular scenario. So if you were fired, yeah, identify and you're still bothered by it. Like say it's like eight weeks later and you're still steaming over the whole thing. They said, just identify what bothers you about it and then figure out how you can get past that. particular. Like if it's just, you didn't like that person, it's easier to say, I don't like the person that fired me. It was obviously personal. I can move on. Right. But if it's, I did everything I tried to do and you can't be honest that maybe you were partly culpable for what happened because I had countered with, you need to be honest with yourself too. Like you can't just say I've, I know I'm bothered because I was fired. It's like, why were you fired? You know, how much of that was you? You have to be honest about it. Otherwise, you're not going to learn anything from it. You know, well, you'll, yeah, you'll, you won't learn and you'll, and you won't ever not be bothered is the point. It'll always be hanging on, you know? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It's, it eats at you. And then, yeah, if it was, uh, it was, if it was something like, oh, he didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I could, I could get over that and, and move on. But, I did learn that I wasn't taking it seriously. Like I remember I got something wrong where it was a breast cancer fundraiser and this was print. This was 2000 and you know, the print copy would go out first to the residents. Mm -hmm. And so I got the number to the breast cancer fundraiser wrong. Right. And so all these people are calling the wrong phone number. That's huge. Like you can't be having, um, your, your only reporter, I know I was the only reporter, but getting the basics wrong, mm-hmm. you can't, I, and I completely understand that. And then that's that little detail about a, you know, a mixed number is one thing, but then when I got jumped into other things like the first nations issues with the Haida, I screwed them up horribly. I right. didn't do my due diligence and I got things wrong. And I was just like, wow. And getting it so unbelievably wrong was embarrassing. And especially as a writer, because your name is on that story and you look like a fool. And I just, but it woke me up. It said, you got to check triple, triple check, you Mm -hmm. know, and 
And I came back to Ontario with my tail between my legs. And I, I don't even think I actually mentioned it that I got fired to people. I just really? said, yeah, I just, I, it's done. It was over. Yeah. yeah. Put it behind you, learn from it, move on. But I was very embarrassed. Absolutely. At, at what point do you, have you ever sort of been more honest about that? Like, like, I mean, it's, you're talking 20 years. So, I mean, yeah. I, have you sort of, has anybody ever said, like asked you about the experience on Haida Gwaii and you went, yeah, you know, I've, I, I messed up. I messed up and they fired me. And, or has it just never, ever really come up? I don't think until right now, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Another scoop. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Run with it. Run with it. Yeah. No, like, because that, yeah, again, that happened so long ago. Um, well, and it only intimately affected you is the point. You know what I mean? Like right. you came home and you could, and you can, because you were there for three quarters of the length of time you were supposed to be there. It doesn't seem weird. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it yeah, doesn't yeah. seem that odd. It can, your contract could have ended prematurely and it wasn't the thing. So it is, yeah. it is interesting how you can kind of sweep that the action <laughs> under the rug and just move yeah. on because you were instantly writing again. Right. Like it wasn't like, you yep. didn't do anything. Yeah. And I didn't switch careers. I just kept, uh, I, I definitely pivoted from it, but I, yeah, no one was the wiser, you know, I no. came back and it, and the other excuse was that I had a partner that was back in Ontario. So a lot of people just thought, Oh, you Got just, lonely and, yeah. 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 Yep. So you just went home, but Oh no. There's oh dark. no, no. It's <laughs> oh, dark. No. This dark history, the skeleton in the closet. Oh, it's coming out. Yep. It's so funny because I, you know, whenever someone asks me about my various situations, I tend to be really open about it. And, and, you know, because I, I think because of who I am and I don't, yeah. I don't varnish much. So it doesn't ever really bother me. And it's, yeah. it's like yeah. in, in speaking to everybody so far, I've always been just going, wow, you know, how, how does that feel to have turned around and sort of hid it from people? Yeah. Like, does that, to me, hiding that would have bothered me more than the mm. embarrassment of having come back prematurely because of, because of the situation. Yeah, it did. And to not acknowledge it was, um, I just, yeah, I, I felt like a failure and I yeah. just, so I just thought, well, you know, if I don't talk about it, then it just doesn't exist. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, it's not and it's not it's a very natural thing to do. I mean, we've we we have defense mechanisms yeah. it, psychologically to allow us to move on from things that yeah. are relatively traumatic and, you know, perspective based speaking. But, you know, we, I, I think that I think it's interesting that you just you just said. I'm going to pitch another story that I do believe in. I'm going to pitch something that, that uh, will make me pay more attention. And, 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 you know, when they accepted it, you learn from the errors that you made yeah. as a very junior reporter and you, you all of a sudden were w way more diligent in your information and way more diligent in your information broadcast, yeah. you know? So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I you know, I, th I think it's I think it's a really interesting um, take on it. 
Well, yeah. And, you know, you're young and starting out. Well, okay. No, that's not true. I was 30. I was 30. And, but I, I just flailed around a lot. I wasn't, I probably should have gone into journalism school right away, but I, you know, took my time. I tree planted and just hung out in a van for a while, you know, so that, um, yeah, like I, I, I just should have taken it more seriously. Um, but um, yeah, when I wrote that story about Haida Gwaii, mm-hmm. it was funny, like the style of the writing was more magazine style, was more, I, I got to describe the islands. I got to tell everybody this good news story, this good travel news story about this beautiful place that the mm-hmm. rest of Canada doesn't know about. And as I was saying earlier, when you're excited about something and you want to write about it, it comes through. And yeah. so, so that, and that story, my dad had that story actually put on a plaque and it's still in my office in Toronto. I'm in, in BC now, but it's still right in front of my desk. And um, I was just so proud of it because that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's the exact kind of writing I wanted to do. Yeah. So then it shows, you know, um, those little snippets and news stories or calling the RCMP to find out who was drunk and like threw up on the <laughs> steps of like all those, you know, and yeah, those, those stories have a place and someone has to tell them, but I, it wasn't me. Right. It wasn't me. And um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I just feel like getting fired for me woke me up and, and shook me up, embarrassed me, but it also said, okay, n- now what are you going to do? Now, what yeah. are you going to do now? If it's not that, then what is it going to be? And it's the same thing with writing a book. It's like someone said to me, what do you want your next 10 years of your life to look like? Right. Do, you, do you want to actually go in copywriting? Do you want to try that? And or do you want to write this book and do you want this to be your next phase? And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, where do I sign along? <laughs> yeah, here we go again, back to school. You know, yeah. I, I think that I, I think there's a certain level of um, acceptance to, you know, struggle that, that a lot of us that follow a creative and pursuits that you just say, well, it's going to be a struggle. That's just what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I wouldn't have it any other way because uh, I care about it, you know? And it's funny, even with the book, I deeply care about what I'm writing about and um, I'm researching about feminism and Mm -hmm. my mother's life. Uh, My mom died five years ago and I'm doing research into, uh, things that she went through to understand who she was. And I'm like, wow, this, I profoundly care about what I'm Mm. writing about. So yeah, you know, I, I, I've got to set aside the travel writing for now and, and focus on this, but um, yeah, I'm ready to give it a whirl and give it what it's worth. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I think it's, I think it's very easy for, I I want I hate to use this term, but the younger generation, it's it's very easy to fall into the trap of whatever is trendy in this moment. That is what I'm yeah. going to do. Yeah. So there's there's never um, there's never that chance. There's never that opportunity to really discover what you do enjoy because you're constantly chasing what 
other mm-hmm. people want to see. So when you watch TikTok or when you look at Instagram and, you know, if you haven't curated mm. what you want to see, you see a lot of people doing the exact same thing because they saw somebody succeed doing it. And yeah. those of us who took jobs when they were 12 and took jobs when they were 13 and 14 and worked on farms and, you know, scooped ice cream and, you know, ran a paper route and mowed lawns. And there's a certain level of, and I don't want to say work ethic because I don't think those, the younger generation is working any less. I think, I think that they're chasing something because they believe that's what's going to lead to success rather than looking inward and discovering what they really enjoy doing. And those are two different, two different things. I just spent a year working on one project yeah. because I wanted to do it. And I was doing other things and I had paying work and all this stuff, but I mean, oh my God, it's been, you know, one of the most gratifying things ever. I mean, somebody once commented enough with the rainbows and I, it blew me down quite significantly, but I got past it and kept going and it, you know, yeah, I I just I, I just kind of think there's there is a situation where you you stand up and you walk you walk out your door in Haida Gwaii and you walk in your door in Ontario and you've had a lot of internal communication saying what am, what do I need to take out of this? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, after leaving BC and then going back to Ontario, it's just like. And then segue into another job where I got fired. (laughs) (laughs) You hit the jackpot when you called me. If you haven't been fired, you haven't been trying. No. So I came back from, uh, no, actually this was before I got into journalism school. This, this predates the news firing. Okay. Um, I took a, a data entry job and uh, it was for a car company where you just unplug information all day. And it was very funny because the woman that was training me, actually, we became friends. And after she knew me for a bit, she would try to describe the data entry and the logic in terms of chapters of books. Right. And it's funny now because she tried to do that so that I could understand this job that I was completely ill-suited to do, (laughs) (laughs) which I should have been doing something else, but the chapters made sense to me. And so that got me through that. And then, uh, yeah, my boss at the time was like, yeah, you, you should be looking for something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so then, yeah. So then I applied for journalism school and got in and, um, so, yeah, the failure part's not that bad. And and also, you know, as a freelance writer, every time I send out a pitch, it's like sending out a resume every single time. Yeah, I wondered about that. Yep, every what, single time. And so now, and, and so this has been, you, would you say it's been about 15, 15 years? How long have you been doing the freelance writing? Well, 22 years now. 20, so, 22 years. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, a, I would like to, I would like to think that there's a huge difference between what you have, what you do now and, and like being tasked with a story, right? Because you are pitching 
publications on stories that you want to write. And that gives you like a, a level of passion towards that thing that you yeah. wouldn't have otherwise. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like um, case in point, I just wrote a story about my Ontario mountain biking girls, the wild Bettys. And so it's for a women's business section in the globe. Mm. But um, I said, uh, my whole argument was that mountain biking and, and that focus that you have on the bike lends itself to your occupation, that okay. focus that you have on the bike, you know, and that when you're on the bike, you're not thinking about the office, because if you do, you're going to fall over the handlebars and eat it really mm-hmm. quickly. So mm-hmm. that detachment actually benefits your your work life and that's something that uh i think everybody should experience you know like a lot of people get there by doing lots of drugs you know (laughs) but that being on a mountain bike to me is like it's it's like it is like some kind of drug because it just what's ever in your head it plucks it out Mm -hmm. And you are there, you are 110% focused on that rock in front of you or that route. And when I wrote about it, I'm interviewing, you know, members of my mountain bike group that share the same philosophy and, and, uh, and, you know, the, the, also the fear aspect. So all, all these things, all these women and, and then seeing them in the newspaper, I'm just like, you know, it's like the first time I saw my byline in some crappy neighborhood newspaper in Toronto. I got up at five o'clock in the morning and grabbed them all because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I still feel the same way when when you know how much work you put into something. Yeah. And then you see it and you, I send it to my dad right away, you know, all the time. And he's just like, he calls me a good wordsmith and I'm like, that's such an old fashioned thing to say, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dad, I'm good with words. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) But it's validation for like, look at that. Look at, look like, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't mind bragging about this. I like writing and, and, and promoting and, advocating things that I think make people better human beings and being mm-hmm. on a bike is just really one of those things. And, um, it, you know, I just, I, I just love it. Uh, like, as I said, I was training before I started talking to you so that I can go hang out with those girls this summer, you know, right. like, so. And uh, listen, yeah. it, it, and sorry to interrupt, but I was just thinking about this and the fact that I ride a motorcycle. I've been riding a motorcycle for over 30 years. And and there is there's something uh, for those of us who have been riding for a really long time. You shut off everything else but what you're doing because riding a motorcycle is an inherently dangerous activity but it's dangerous not because of you it's more dangerous because of other people so if you aren't paying attention to other people that's when you tend to have problems so there is a usually you know when someone says if you're having a hard time with a problem set it aside and come back to it the issue is that if you're not doing an activity like cycling or, or, or motorcycling where you have to turn off that part of your brain, yeah. you're never letting that problem go for real. You're not. You're always thinking about it mm-hmm. in the back of your mind. But if you go for a ride, that goes away. And then you can come yeah. back to that problem and go, oh, right, this thing, you know? Yeah. And it does yeah. tend to have that effect of the, the switch going off and going, oh, 
I can't answer that problem now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that you're escaping that, that story or that issue or yeah. that work problem. It's that, and especially for writing um, and writing about something so personal that sometimes I'm like staring right at it and going, okay, what is it? What, what are those events? What is that scene in my life? What, what right. am I going to write about? And then if you're looking at something so head on, sometimes you're missing all the periphery, you're missing all the sort of little subtle stories, right? All the little ones that actually the complement that complement the entire narrative, exactly. right? Exactly. And yeah. those sometimes are like, that's the juicy stuff is mm-hmm. the, that you're like, oh my God, I had no idea that that was part of the story. Like, what was what was but you have to relax and again creatively you have mm-hmm. to relax that one that's saying okay i have a deadline what was it hurry up let's get to it your your creative mind doesn't work like that yeah, yeah. so let it go and then oh it and and i've started writing early in the morning like super early like i i'm working up to getting up at five and uh, don't even check the emails and go right to the stories. Um, but yeah, you, ju- you just have to give it what it's worth. And that's, uh, that's exciting for me is to, mm. I don't have to do data entry anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> well, work for the job you want, I guess, is how this, this particular uh, Hans Christian Anderson story goes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. When when you when you look back on let's not talk about the getting fired thing, but let's talk about when you leave a job. Yeah. Um, number of times where you've just said, This isn't for me. Do you think that in every scenario, do you think you've always kind of been building towards what you're doing? Do you think you always had this in your back of your mind? I'm definitely doing something creative, but I'm not sure what that is. Or have you always felt this affinity toward towards the written word? I think in a lot of ways, I was scared to just jump into writing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. It's always been, it's always been my way to understand what's going on in my life. Um, yeah, I was, I was just writing stuff. Uh, during my parents' divorce, I had a journal. I wish I had still, you know, like with a grade six teacher who was like, you've got a way with words. Like, wow, this right. is very um, provocative thoughts for, you know, someone in grade six. <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> my messed up brain is is good fodder for you. Um, I'm glad. But um yeah, I knew early on, but I, I think also that it takes courage to, to, yeah, move on from failures. It does. Mm-hmm. How can it not? You know, it, it strikes at your core, at your confidence. And, but I, I also feel like I'm pushing 50 this year and I really don't give a rat's ass anymore. Like, right in a way that I really, you know, like the fact that I couldn't even talk about getting fired. Um, and I have a list of places I was fired from. Um, but that, yeah, those, those little reminders, like were kind of like, 
little nudges, you mm-hmm. know, like, so, like someone just kind of going, Oh no, a little more to the left, Melanie. Don't, yeah. don't take that path. That it's okay. Keep moving this way. Yeah. We have, you know, it's interesting, but with a, a fairly common discussion that I've had in these episodes is that we don't have the stigma. Our predecessors, our previous generation had our parents. Oh. If you got fired as our parents are now, my parents are in their seventies. Um, if you got fired from your job, you were doing a job that you did your life for your life. You know, you, yeah. you would go get on the line at GM or Ford or whatever. And that yeah. was the job you did until you retired at 65 or whatever it is. Yeah. And and you got the watch and the whatever, and they go, thanks for the 35 years of service or 40 years of service. Right. And so like yeah. that story of getting fired for that generation, it, it isn't, tr- there is a real stigma to it. You know, you do feel like a huge failure. Those of oh, us in our yeah. generation yeah. getting fired, it depends on the circumstances, but they're mm-hmm. hardly ever quite like no one looks at you and go, Oh, you got fired. Like no one looked at me and went, Oh, you got fired. They just went, well, what happened? And they want to yeah. know why, but they know that I'm a hard worker. They know that I'm you know, within our industry or within my industry, excuse me, yeah. within marketing or whatever, there's no doubt I can do my job. So yeah. Yeah. no one is going like, oh, you got fired. What did you do? You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it is what it is. And I'm, I don't feel I don't feel bad. I miss a regular paycheck. Like, yeah. that's really nice. But I don't feel bad about the, it, it happening, you know? Yeah. Well, I teach. Uh, I guess Gen Zs, the the twenty year olds uh, at Western, and right. I mean, in many ways, they have a lot figured out. <laughs> like, you know, we could talk about what they don't have figured out, but one thing they do have figured out um, in terms of the, my book research is that they actually they're like the most gender fluid yeah. um, generation out there. Because yeah, exactly like you said, they don't care about labels anymore. Like. I, if I, if I love you and your, your, your gender X, so what? And I think it's the same thing with being fired. It's like, so what, like, you know, um, how does that impact? Does that make me a bad person? Um, Does that make me any less loving or caring or, you know, no, it just means this wasn't right. And let's move on. Well, and also that generation, they have, they have the additional situation in that society does not value the individual as much as it values a corporation. So they see themselves as more disposable when it Mm -hmm. comes to capitalism than our parents did, right? Our parents saw themselves as an integral part of the machine. We then became more aware of the fact that the machine was broken and that generation that you're dealing with now they don't give a fuck about the machine. So no. they're just like, I'm going to use you like you used me and my parents and my parents before you. So it, it is interesting to watch. Like I, I worked with a couple of 29 year olds uh, while I was away last weekend. And I, they have a, they have a, a, there's a level of confidence that, I mean, maybe yeah. it's just the fact that they're still, you know, under 30, but there's yeah. a level of confidence to millennials that I, I aspire to that. Now that I'm pushing 50, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember being confident in my twenties. I remember that, you know, yeah. not like yeah. this though. They literally like walk in and go, this is mine. I'm doing it. It's me. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. 
Oh no, I love watch. Yeah, I I still I went to a, a student's wedding a few years ago and just yeah, they they said this is what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is who I am. Um, my you know questioning my work life balance. Like I'm my time is worth more. Like yeah. again, you know that generation the baby boomers that had the job for 30 years you know then retired and then you know probably got some terminal disease and then like had a few years to enjoy their life yeah these ones are going no i actually want to enjoy my life right now Mm -hmm. and um uh yeah i think they just know who they are a little bit better yeah i don't know i don't know how that happened but (laughs) they do well we're the last generation that had an affordable homes right like Hmm. you know it's been 16 years since i bought my house i bought it 300 and whatever and now it's over a million and it it is not any better of a house it just happens to be that we are in a weird housing bubble and every time someone goes it's gonna pop it's like i don't know man it's been 16 years and it's already worth three four times its its original price so i don't know i don't know and so i think i think that generation and I don't know why we're talking about this. It is it is interesting from my perspective that that generation sees it as I am going to live life because I've witnessed, you know, the degradation of the older generation not enjoying their life. And then all of a sudden can't. And I think you're absolutely on the nose with that, but that they just go, well, I'm going to save up money and I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to save up money and I'm going to rent a car and whatever, buy a car and go somewhere. And, you know, and, and, and the number of times you hear someone who's much younger going, I don't need a car. I don't need a house. I don't, you know, what I need is a, is a carry on bag and enough room for like a bunch of shirts and pants. And then I'll go and enjoy myself in Barcelona or something. (laughs) Well, I have a 28 year old sister right now who's on her first solo trip she's in scotland and uh she sent me some instagrams today of um she she hiked ben nivis which is you know the the highest peak in in scotland and stuff and i'm just like do it do and she's working at the same time like at you know her her employer she's she starts her day at 2 30 in the afternoon right but she spends her morning um traveling around and i i hope to think that I had some influence in that, you know, her mother was like, no, 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 don't go. And I'm like, yeah, go, just go, (laughs) you know, live your life now. And, and, you know, and she, my stepmother's like, but you're crane. And I'm like, she's in Scotland, (laughs) you know, and everything that the Ukrainians want and are fighting for is just, is this the, her ability to go and live her life. Like that's all what we want, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, that they're recognizing earlier, I guess, you know, um, they've untangled a lot of the stuff about their work life um, and their life kind of comes first, you know, that yeah. stupid thing, live to work or work to live. Yeah. Um, so which one is it then, you know? Um, and in many ways, I, like we talked about the creative part, I've, you know, during COVID when everyone was, um stuck i just i actually thought about all the places i've been Mm -hmm. for the first time that i wasn't moving around and rushing i was like wow oh yeah japan was amazing or i'd i'd see something that reminded me of a person i met somewhere else right and i'm like oh 
okay, I'll, I'll slow down now a bit. That's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's different. And I miss the, you know, filing the stories about other countries, but then I, I, I'm writing a book. So, sure. you, you know, it's, uh, it's just different. I yeah. used to, I used to joke as a freelancer before that I worked hard enough to not work too hard at all. And it, and it, it, it used to bug, I, uh, I had a tech a partner that we started a little agency together. It used to bother him so much because he would say there are 24 hours in the day and I only need six to sleep. And I was like, I, I don't sure, but I also want another six for hanging out, <laughs> you know, walking my dog and having yeah. a beer and going to a patio. And it just, it, in his mind, it was like work, 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 work. And I just, I was like, Man, no. no. And I used to, and that was literally, I'd say, I, I like working hard enough to not work that hard at all. And it was just, it drove him nuts, but I liked it. I, you know, the comfort, yeah. if you can find a, a, a really like the work-life balance thing is starting to become a little trite, but if you can yeah. find how hard you need to work so that you can have your time in yeah. addition to servicing the client or whatever that you're supposed to be doing. I say go for it because it's they're they're they don't have any obligation towards you beyond your time. No. And you get paid no. for your time. So you just you in your head you need to justify how much your time is worth someone else. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And uh you know and and I'm also you know like the freelancing lends itself to like I've also been a fitness instructor for the last 20 years. Right. <laughs> And again, your time. So I would get paid to go teach a spin class and it wasn't a lot of money, but it also allowed, uh, I got a free membership at this gym right? and all the regulars that used to come, I used to love putting playlists, music playlists together. And mm-hmm. so that seemingly Joe job that little, that again, that just fed into another part of me. Yeah. Um, I can't necessarily do that as a, like, as a writer, you know, you're, it is very isolating and mm-hmm. I'm, I am an extrovert. I absolutely am. So I would go and teach that class, feed off everyone's energy. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to go back and sit in the chair again yeah. and just, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Um, do it. But, and, but it and, also allowed you, it, I mean, it, that also would allow you to maintain a fitness level that you required for your travel and riding too, right? Like yeah. Other, otherwise you'd be at home yeah. on a trainer, just yeah, pedaling away. This allowed you to, to create a fitness level for yourself that yeah, your body wasn't surprised by these long trips. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. And even now I'm, I'm teaching online to some of my, my, uh, my mountain biking friends. So it's, I, I guess for me, you know, uh, I was never diagnosed with attention deficit, but I really think um, <laughs> I am a prime candidate. I said to my sister, my brain is like a Rolodex. And she's like, what's a Rolodex? Oh, yeah. 29 year old or whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't know what that is. But yeah. it's true. And so, you know, uh, being fired from these nine to fives. Well, again, wasn't so bad because then I went and I guess they call it a gig economy now, or I sound old saying that, but whereby 
I'm going to go and I, I get a little part-time gig doing this. Sure. And then I'm going to go over here and do this. And if you are organized enough, you could sort of manage all those little fires in the, in the, uh, or pokers in the, in the fire. Like you can do that. And that all of those things feed who you are. And again, mm-hmm. that energy and excitement to go teach a spin class, like I'm going back next week to Toronto and my gym that I used to work for is like, Hey, come be wanna... a guest spinner. Again. You know, like, <laughs> Come on back, Mel. And I'm like, that's great. I would love to. And we kept that connection, right? Like, so I call all those things that uh, I call them all side quests. So like from a video game analogy where life is what you're doing on a general sense, like point A to point B, that's your rate. That's your life quest, right? I'm going to get from here to there, but every little thing like this podcast or any other podcast or any of the little tiny projects I bring up for myself that that pride LMC stuff the light motion capture stuff those are all side quests they have nothing to do with anybody else but me satisfying that itch to to make something and I think yeah. that I think there's a lot of us that do that I kind of wish that my side quest was fitness because it, it would be nice to lose <laughs> 50 pounds but I you know it is what it is we're kind of we're kind of in this s- spot where I I feel like we could probably tie tie a knot in it um i actually i once i was uh helping at this brewery and uh this guy came up and i said i said would you like another beer or do you want to tie it off and he goes what does that mean tie it off i said like a tourniquet like you want to stop the flow of blood he goes that's a really dark way to put it isn't it a little dark i went i don't know sure anyways and also i'm not a i'm not a server so i don't know i've never been a bartender tie it off oh yeah, I, I was an awful server, awful, as you know already. But um, I run I run out of energy, so it's I just can't I can't smile anymore for anybody. They we I was doing a nine hour shift for them to help out because my neighbor had broken his ankle, so I was the one running up and down the stairs. They they own a brewery, yeah. And by the ninth hour at nine o'clock, there were the hangers on, and yeah. he was he's very he's very gregarious and. You know, he, it's his yeah. business, it's his brewery and I want to, you know, keep them here. And, but it, I was like, that's it. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. And one person looked at me and they said, they said, so is this going to be your new, your new career? And I went, nope. And I just turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, and like my, and my wife came and picked us up and we, we all yeah. got in the car and, and Sean said something like my, my friend, he said something like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay on. I, you know, I know that you got tired, but you need to stay on. I said, this is not my job, Sean. I'm here to help you Yeah. while you're dealing with your ankle. I do not need to stay on <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. at all. So, oh, it's, anyway. it's, uh, you know, it's sort of being a server in North America is very undervalued, mm-hmm. uh, but it takes so much energy to do it well, to do yeah. it really well. It's well, and, and, and having run the, that networking event, honestly, like I know how to work a room and I know how to be, you know, let me get you excited, but that's a different thing. It's a very time limited thing. And I run out of gas, you know, by the end of it, I, you always, you could always see, I'd have, I'd be sitting in the exact same spot for three hours straight afterwards, just having beers and chatting. Yeah. Yeah. I was no longer on, I was having a conversation. So like I was a very different person from, 
on the stage hue and then sitting down and having a pint hue. And I, I delineate those, that person, those, those people very, very effectively in my own head at any rate. Yeah. Um, okay. So Melanie, Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been illuminating, as they say. Oh, for me too, because I, you know, sometimes to get it out, to actually say that, uh, wow, yeah, I, I was, I wasn't on during that job to mm-hmm. admit that and to say, that's okay. That's okay. Um, you know, we, we got to be a little gentler with ourselves sometimes. <sighs> Introspection only works if you're truthful with yourself i've i've said it a few times now especially in this podcast i've said it like you can you can look inward but if you're not honest with with what you're looking for you're never going to get anywhere and all we want out of the out of these discussions is how how can someone who might be struggling in this moment Mm. how can they figure out a way out of it and it, it usually comes down to really understanding yourself, really understanding why you're upset and really understanding how you can move past that thing. And, it, and you know, finding out that you, that you lost your job and, and came back and sort of just swept it under the rug, uh-huh. it's less bothersome realizing just how much it focused you on your career after that. Like you just went, I know how to succeed. I know I can. And yeah. I think that that's the inspiration that we should take from this is that you know even if you decide i'm not i i can't believe i was never really honest with anybody about this you were honest with yourself you know yeah and you know it, it's it's just like anything that you sort of sweep under the rug or or you know the conversations you don't have you know like mm-hmm. doesn't mean they don't go away like the they're there and they're in your head and when you say them it's like, oh, I feel so light. Like, so, I, 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 I could go dancing now. It's like, true. It is. It's a mental freedom to just put that away and let it go. Like, let it go. It had happened. You were culpable. Yup, you fucked up. But hey, look at you now. Look at mm-hmm. me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I do really appreciate the time you've, you've given me. Um, and I hope that your book, I don't know what your timeline is on your book, actually, I think about it. Well, I have another year. Uh, I'm still looking for an agent, but, okay. and, uh, but yeah, when it comes out, I'll let you know. And, um, yeah, Bec- and you have to say that to yourself. If you want something, you keep saying that it's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been great talking to you. And um, I just think that this, again, it's, it's like anything else, like the book I'm writing about is sex Mm -hmm. and female sex. And so again, it's just those conversations that we don't have Uh, by having them, you relate to someone else and you tiny little micro connections like, Oh, I felt like that too. And then, you don't feel so shitty afterwards because everyone else feels the same way, probably. Exactly. I mean, end of the day, unless you're a terrible human being, there, there's always something you can empathize with someone else. And I, I, I believe that it just takes a matter of, it's not necessarily putting yourself in someone else's shoes, but it's understanding that they're living another life that you may or may not be able to understand. Yeah, absolutely. 
This episode of Dismissed was produced by and is copyright of Hugh Elliott. Did you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hugh Q Elliott, two L's and two T's. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month for behind the scenes, early releases, and even more content. Feel like you have a story to tell? Email Hugh dismissed at hughqelliot.com with the subject guest. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.